0: Welcome, Modern Babylon Culture Contrarium Ryan Miller. We're continuing on uh, lesson three of my reading. And this subparagraph says, Slowly, slowly cook froggy. <laughs> this doesn't mean that a democratic government can do virtually anything at once, it has to be careful. It can't murder so many citizens or steal so much property that the majority of citizens of the democracy wake up and vote to stop government from killing or robbing individuals. I'm going to add a subscript here, or it shouldn't be able to have all of its citizens participate in some fraudulent medical experiment. Or as some people in the conspiracy domain say that they're putting in subcutaneous tracking devices or creating uh, partial humans. Again, antithetical. So a, demon, a democratic government has to be sneaky. It has to control public opinion. Edward Barnays would be my insert on that one. Power, the, the guy of um, public relations. Worthy of a, a Wikipedia search on Edward Bernays, It has to follow, almost worship, the public opinion polls. It can only implement so much abuse as the public will endure without actually getting angry enough to vote the son of a guns out. As a result, the only thing a democracy fears is public exposure. Insert Ryan speak. Hegelian dialectic is a great example to measure the tolerance of the next step that the government may take. But again, more research. Conversely, in a republic, it's simply unlawful for a three-letter agency hitman to kill a woman holding a baby and get away with it. In a republic, government officials can flambé a bunch of kids in Waco and walk away with promotions and a fat pension. In a republic, you can't effectively seize another person's property by declaring that property can no longer be used to raise cattle if that use adversely affects the lowly suckerfish. In a republic, individuals can have unalienable rights, suckerfish don't. Thus, the rights of individuals are superior to the interests of suckerfish. In a republic, neither a 99% democratic majority nor the gates of hell can lawfully prevail over the God given unalienable rights which every individual is endowed. See the difference? In a monarchy, one individual holds the blank powers. In a democracy, no individual holds blank powers. But in a republic only, all individuals hold blank powers. God-given, unalienable rights. Where would you rather live? Where only the individual had blank powers? Where no individual had blank powers? Or where all individuals, including you, have those blank powers? Subparagraph. Democratic disabilities. Blacks, 7th defines democracy as a system of government in which the people or community as an organized whole wield the blank power of government. This implies that in a democracy the people hold the blank power but to do so in the capacity of a single artificial collective, not as an association of individual blanks. Thus Democracy is a collective political philosophy characterized by a lack of individually held, God-given, unalienable rights. Also note that the logical correlative of the collective rights of the group is the absence of rights for each individual. The absence of individually held, God-given rights is the central feature of all collective philo- collectivist philosophies. Communism, socialism, wokeism, progressivism, etc., since these systems presume that blank power is held by the collective and not by any individuals. Therefore, by definition, no citizen of a democracy can hold God given unalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, happiness as an individual. Why? Because if a democracy recognized the legitimacy of individual rights as God given and thus superior to any claim of the collective rights, the power of the democracy. And majority rule over specific individuals or minorities would disappear. By simply invoking his God-given unalienable rights, any individual could thumb his nose at virtually any vote by the Democratic majority. So long as I have an unalienable right to life, it matters not if the 250 million Americans all vote to hang me. So long as I am individually endowed by my Creator with certain unalienable rights, I can tell the whole world to stuff it by simply invoking my individually held unalienable right. Yes, school board, my right to be secure, in my person, papers, properties, and effects is an unalienable right. That your threats, I say, stuff it. And I have the right to my first right of my free speech to redress my government officials, and I can tell you to stuff it as well. However, I have to be aware of the democratic tyranny that could snap its neck back and act unlawfully and trespass me from a bu- public building unlawfully. That they can effect harm on me by putting pain complaints, compliance devices on my wrist to cause me to submit to their tyranny. They could potentially stuff me in a conveyance and kidnap me and place me in a dungeon all unlawfully but I can still say, stuff it. I may suffer those consequences of their unlawful violence against me. But I have these unalienable rights that God, that are granted by my creator, not by man. Do you see my, now? going back to his part after I do my little soliloquy, do you see my point? By definition, a democracy can't work, can't exercise the arbitrary authority of the majority over the minority can't even exist where unalienable rights are granted to individuals by the supreme authority of God. And, at least coincidentally, according to Brock Chisholm, former director of the UN's World Health Organization, quote, to achieve world government, it is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, loyalty to family traditions, national patriotism, and religious dogmas, close quote. I've said this in private, that there's this thing called DFOO, defoo d-e-f-o-o Stefan molyneux spoke on this several years ago it is very much popularized in the eu and it's coming to our shores dei is an element of defoo but see i share these things in the in the privacy because these are conscience-piercing topics that we don't hear about, let alone are we going to read about. And I hesitate to speak about them. But anyway, I continue. Do you see how a democracy, which denies both individual rights and the God, and the God that granted them, could diminish the Republican forces of individualism and faith that would naturally resist one world government? Do you see how a democratic form of government might be ideal for implementing the nwo in fact if you'll read the united nations universal declaration of human rights oh my gosh i've read that adopted in december 10th of 1948 you'll see that article 21 explains the basis of the un's one world government quote the will of the people shall be the basis of the authority of government This shall be expressed in periodic and genuine elections, which shall be by universal and equal suffrage and shall be held by secret vote or by equivalent free voting procedures, close quote. The basis for the authority of all UN governments isn't God, but the will of the people as expressed in periodic elections rather than fixed constitutions. That's a democracy, folks. And that 1948 UN declaration is probably the political foundation of the world's 20, 20th century march toward our beloved democracy. Read Article 29, Chapter 2 of the same UN Declaration. Quote, In the exercise of his rights and freedoms, everyone shall be the subject only to the rights and freedoms of others in a democratic society. Close quote. In other words, despite the considerable list of rights which the UN Declaration claims to provide for all individuals, those individually held, quote, human rights, are absolutely subject to the rights and freedoms of others. Note that others is plural. Thus, the individual's rights are always subject to that of the group or the collective. In other words, whenever two or more are gathered in the UN's name, a single person's claim to individual's rights is meaningless. As a collective form of government, the UN democracy is fundamentally indistinguishable from communism. Or socialism. More importantly, by rejecting the concept of individually held unalienable rights, every democracy, including the UN, the New World Order, and the other, or the, uh, the United States, must likewise reject the source of those unalienable rights: God. Like all collectivist political systems, democracies must be atheistic. Although a particular may, democracy may allow its subjects to engage in some religious activity. None of those religious principles can be officially recognized or given any authority by the collectivist state. Can you say separation of church church and state, boys and girls? Next topic is collective self destruction. But democracies aren't merely dangerous to individuals, they're even dangerous to the collective because without individually held unalienable rights, there is no defense against unlimited growth, taxation, regulation, or oppression. A massive, unlimited New World Order or American bureaucracy is the inevitable expression and consequence of the principles of democracy. Consider in 1978, William E. Simon, Secretary of the Treasury in the Nixon and Ford administration, complained that the federal expenditures exceeded $1 billion a day. Twenty three years later, our federal government spends about fifty six billion dollars per day. Of course our economy has grown since nineteen seventy eight and inflation has reduced the value of fifty six billion in today's dollars to about twenty billion in nineteen seventy eight dollars. Still, federal expenditures and taxes regulations intrusion into our private lives grew at least tenfold in the last twenty three years because the citizens of our democracy voted for that growth? Or did it grow because in democracy we have no claim to the individual rights that would automatically inhibit such extraordinary government growth? In a republican form of government where individually held God-given rights are presumed and secured, government can't grow except by the express will slash consent of the people as demonstrated through constitutional amendments. But in a democracy where there are no God-given individual rights to inhibit government growth, the will of the collective is expressed only every two years in the form of elections. Once elected, our representatives are empowered to vote for virtually anything and everything they want since they are presumed to enjoy the support of the majority of the collective. Unless the people complain bitterly and even vote against incumbents, Without individually held God-given rights, there is no restriction of government growth in a democracy. In a democracy, government can take your guns. They can take your kids, your property, and your cash. In fact, they can take your life. Every one of those takings, and thousands more, are possible and absolutely legal because subjects of a democracy have no individually held unalienable rights to protect them against arbitrary exercise of government power. If it's lawful for government to take virtually anything at once from subjects of the democratic collective, then it's certainly lawful for the government to create and enlarge as many bureaucracies and enforcement agencies as it deems necessary to implement the unrestricted takings. Insert TSA. <clears throat> Insert civil forfeiture laws. The list is long, folks. He said thousands. I'm going to say tens of thousands. Sorry, I needed to wet the whistle. Do you see my point? God-given unalienable rights don't merely protect us as individuals from government oppression. They are the fundamental bulwark that protects the whole nation against the growth of massive governmental bureaucracies. Another subchapter. The first Bill of Rights so what is the Republican form of government that's mandated by Article 4, Section 4 of the Federal Constitution? Answer, a system of government that recognizes the God-given unalienable rights of the individuals. And what did the Declaration of Independence say was the fundamental purpose for all that government? To secure these rights. Which rights? The unalienable rights given to each individual by God in reference in the previous sentence of the Declaration. Thus... The first obligation of the Republican form of government mandated by Article 4, Section 4 of our federal constitution is to secure God-given unalienable rights to individuals. Not secure rights to the collective or some king, but to secure unalienable rights to every individual. Pause, insert. This is the oath that every, not every, the majority of those that have taken the position of authority and public servant take to swear to oath to the Constitution to secure our rights. I have a challenge out on a couple of different social media platforms saying, give me the law enforcement officer that will stand beside me to secure my rights, to exercise my First Amendment, to stand on my Fourth Amendment, and to choose at my option to invoke my Fifth. That's the leprechaun that is missing in the democracy. I continue. And note that while among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, this general list of unalienable rights is not exhaustive. It is obvious that there are other unspecified unalienable rights which must also be secured by government. If so, Article 4, Section 4 of the Federal Constitution might be viewed as the original Bill of Rights. Consider the federal constitution was adopted in 1789. The bill of rights, first 10 amendments, was adopted in 1791. But in 1791, some people argued against adopting the bill of rights because one, all unalienable rights were already protected under the constitution and two, by expressly By expressly specifying some rights, government might later be able to argue that other rights which were not specified did not exist or were not protected. Until recently, I viewed those 18th century arguments as unconvincing, but now that I see that a republic form of government is one that recognizes and secures all God-given unalienable rights, I also see that Article IV, Section Four of the federal constitution, and similar sections in state constitutions seem to guarantee all unalienable rights to all individuals. Thus, the 1791 Bill of Rights may have truly been unnecessary, redundant, or even counterproductive. Worse, by focusing on the specific rights enumerated in the first 10 amendments, we may have lost sight of the mother load of unalienable rights. The Article 4, Section 4 guarantees of a republic form of government, one that secures our unalienable rights. By focusing on each specific right in the Bill of Rights, it's become possible for the Democratic government to whittle away at each right whenever political conditions allow them to do so. They don't attack all the rights at once. They simply whittle away a little... At due process today, freedom of speech tomorrow, and the right to keep and bear arms next month. In a sense, it's arguable that the Bill of Rights might allow government to divide and conquer our rights on a one-by-one basis and thereby slowly cook our freedoms like so many frogs. However, such cannibalism seems strictly prohibited under Article 4, Section 4, Guarantee of Republic Form of Government. The whittle of our rights... Um, This is a segue, sorry. The whittling away of our rights is something that comes through ordinances, codes, policies, statutes, ordinances, license, permits, laws. I have the right to travel unmolested. But there's these statutes and codes and ordinances that restrict your choice of conveyance based upon some crazy commerce call, commerce law. And that you will voluntarily surrender your freedom of movement by entering into a contract under duress to restrict your ability to travel. Willingly, ignorantly, complicitly. It's a deep rabbit hole, folks. So I'm going to pause. I've only got a couple more pages here, so I'm going to pause this And uh, put it in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. It's getting deep. Take care.